This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Three, two, one. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. Not only did you have these standards just announced by the US EPA, but in Europe, we now have a proposed global ban on the entire family of PFAS chemicals. That's being debated right now in the European Union. That's Robert Bylot, the keynote speaker of the upcoming PFAS Symposium taking place April 17th, one day before the WQA convention and exposition in Las Vegas. Learn more and register at convention.wqa.org. And welcome to WQA Radio, the weekly podcast of the Water Quality Association, promoting better water quality around the world. This is episode number 312, and this podcast is sponsored by Hydrotech, a leader in residential and commercial water softening, filtration, drinking, and problem water systems. Learn more at hydrotechwater.com. If you're a first-time listener or new to the industry, welcome. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to share the podcast with someone you know. We're publishing this on March 29th of 2023. Find us at wqa.org and on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. In this episode, we're joined by Robert Bylot, environmental attorney and the keynote speaker at the upcoming WQRF, WQA, PFAS Symposium in Las Vegas. Bylot talks about his decades-long battle against DuPont that exposed the worst case of corporate cover-up and environmental contamination in modern history. He'll give us a preview of his keynote address entitled, Why We Are Here. PFAS, DuPont, and the future of clean drinking water. Plus, we'll have our WQA Motivational Minute and WQA Tip. Now on to Robert Bylot on WQA Radio. We're pleased to have Robert Bylot with us today. He's the keynote speaker at the upcoming PFAS Symposium. It's coming up on April 17th, one day before the WQA convention and exposition in Las Vegas. And Robert, so glad to have you with us. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. You are uh, a environmental lawyer who uh, has been at the uh, forefront of the whole PFAS the, the growing awareness of PFAS, the bringing to light the uh, threat of PFAS in our environment. And I'm curious to begin with, when you look at a title that says, why we are here, PFAS, <laughs> why are we here? Can you give us a little bit of an insight into what you'll be talking about? Sure. You know, just I'm going to try to provide just a bit of an overview, a little brief history on how we got to the point that we're all talking about these man-made forever chemicals known as PFAS, per and polyfluoroalkylated substances. You know, these there could be anybody you see estimates anywhere from hundreds to thousands of these chemicals now that are being found in drinking water, in groundwater, in soil, in, in, in human blood, frankly, all over the planet. You know, how did we get here? How did we get to the to the point where we've got these man-made uh, chemicals now contaminating drinking water supplies, not all not only just all over this country, but virtually all over the planet? 
uh, with chemicals that have been in use for 70 to 80 years. Um, you know, how does that happen? How do, how do we get to the, the point where we've got these, um, these chemicals that are incredibly persistent, toxic, bioaccumulative, some have now been uh, found to be likely carcinogens, um, contaminating all of our water. And this has been going on for so long, yet we're only just now learning about it. You know, and how, how, did, how did that happen? How is it that we're only becoming aware of this uh, in the last couple of years? Uh, you know, that, that really the, 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 the general population, the scientific community, regulators are only just really becoming aware of the scope and magnitude of this contamination. So trying to provide a little history on how that happened and why it is we're now all learning about this only now. Were we somewhat asleep at the switch or did we just not have the technology and the awareness to understand the scope of the problem? You know, unfortunately, what we've learned, uh, a lot of this we've learned through, gosh, I think it's been about 24 years now of litigation, getting into uh, the internal files of the companies that actually created these chemicals back right around the time of, the, of World War II, that unfortunately there was a lot known about how toxic, persistent, and bioaccumulative and uh, dangerous these chemicals were, but a lot of that information was was withheld and covered up for decades. And um, only through litigation, really, has that information started to make its way out to the regulators and the scientists and the, the public to the point where we're now seeing regulatory authorities and scientific um, communities all over the world uh, you know, suggesting that we need to be taking steps now to to limit the amount of these chemicals in our water and in our environment. You must have learned some things you'd never even expected along the way. Can you give us a surprise or two that you uncovered? Well, I think one of the things that was the most uh, disturbing, uh, if not uh, surprising, was just the extent to which information was covered up and the extent of how much information was known for so long about the threat that these chemicals pose to, to human health and the environment and how difficult it was to get that information out to the, the rest of the, the world um, and how long that took. Uh, and to see not only once that information gets out, how long it takes to respond through the regulatory process for state and federal and now international bodies to, to grapple with you know, how do we protect public health? What kind of drinking water levels do we set? What kind of other environmental restrictions do we set? Uh, and then the scientific community having to struggle with how do we filter this out of the water now? What kind of tech treatment technologies do we use? Um, uh, and again, the, the just incredible the extent to which um, so much was known by the folks that were making and handling and dispersing these chemicals out into the world, um, but just simply withheld from the rest of us. And unfortunately, though the cost now of having to deal with this is being faced by water providers, by cities, by municip yeah, municipalities, by states, governmental entities all over the world that are now struggling with, you know, how do we deal with this? How do we get this out of the water? How do we deal with the waste that may be generated from cleaning this out of the water? 
Well, what's going to happen if the waste is designated hazardous under the Superfund law? Who's going to pay those costs? And that's a, a huge issue that we see being debated now all over the world is who should be paying for this? Now that we know this has happened, now that we know the scope and extent of the contamination that's been caused, um, should the victims of this contamination, which are essentially the, 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 all of us, the folks that are now drinking this or having to deal with cleaning this out of the water, you know, those are the entities that shouldn't have to be paying to clean all this up. And so you see a big fight now going on with um, how do we make sure that the people who actually caused this problem, who created these chemicals, that they're held responsible for these costs? Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's leading to um, what's become a, a, a huge new um, swath of litigation uh, that's, that's going on right now all across the country and, frankly, now all across the world. The EPA recently came out with its new regulatory levels uh, proposals, um, which will be commented upon by a number of uh, uh, stakeholders and uh, including our industry. Uh, what do you think so far of what you have seen proposed? You know, I think what we've seen is you finally have the, the, the top federal agency here in the United States um, recognizing that at least two of these forever chemicals, the ones with eight carbons, the C8s, PFOA and PFOS, um, should be viewed as likely carcinogens. And because of that, that drives the, the, um, the, the, the relative drinking water standards way down. And you're now looking at uh, proposed maximum contaminant limits or the, 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 you know, the limit on what's going to be allowed in drinking water being pushed down to around the current level which you can detect and report this back. And if you look at what US EPA has proposed, they're proposing four parts per trillion for both PFOA and PFOS and referring to that level as essentially the level that's reliably um, the level for detection. So you're, you're essentially looking at if you can detect this stuff using the current methods, there's concerns. And again, that's been driven by the, the, the amount of scientific data that's been coming out uh, showing an incredible array of potential human health impacts from these chemicals. Um, and the, the impacts are being found at lower and lower exposure levels, including cancers. And when that happens, you end up with extremely low acceptable drinking water standards. Um, and, um, you know, you're now seeing the, the, the effects of, of, of that science globally. Not only did you have these standards just announced by the US EPA, but in Europe, we now have a proposed global ban on the entire family of PFOS chemicals. That's being debated right now in the European Union. And finally, uh, what do you want the, uh, the attendees at the PFOS symposium to take away? What would your main goal be for that presentation? I think uh, the main goal would be to help increase understanding and awareness about how much information is known about these chemicals now and how important it is to help uh, the public, the scientific community, the regulatory community, governmental entities now that are now struggling with this, understand what we do know about these chemicals, um, what the, the likely um, um, treatment methods are. How do we fix this? You know, what are the, what are the, uh, the opportunities going forward to help clean this up? 
And, you know, how can we help make sure that those costs are borne by the right people, the folks that created the problem and not those that are the victims of the problem? Um, and, you know, really help, I think, help the folks in attendance, help the general population here understand um, what we can do to fix this problem going forward. Robert Bylot, we uh, certainly appreciate your being a part of the PFAS Symposium. Thank you for joining us here today. Thanks so much. Pleasure talking with you. And now our WQA Motivational Minute. Are you banking on the past? I saw a quote from New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick the other day. If you follow the NFL, you know the Patriots have not been all that successful since Tom Brady left. And Belichick was asked why the Patriot fans should be optimistic about the upcoming season. His reply was, the last 25 years. In other words, because of the success of the past, fans should be optimistic about the future. Well, I don't think so. I believe you can be proud of your past, be proud of what you've accomplished, but the past does not guarantee success tomorrow. Yet, it's easy to slip into that mindset, isn't it? We think because we've been in business for 25 years or 30 years that we'll be successful tomorrow. Well, maybe, but not necessarily. We still have to show up, work hard, serve the customer's needs. It's all about forward momentum. Let's look ahead, not behind. Join us in Las Vegas as we build momentum at the WQA Convention and Exposition. Learn more at convention.wqa.org. Now our WQA tip. If you're a dealer, you really owe it to yourself to be at the WQA Business Boot Camp. It's coming up April 17th, one day before convention. Learn about finance, marketing, and much more. It's a one-day opportunity to step away from your business to work on your business. Go to wqa.org bootcamp to learn more and get signed up. But do it today. This podcast was sponsored by Hydrotech, a leader in residential and commercial water softening, filtration, drinking, and problem water systems. Learn more at hydrotechwater.com. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at wqa.org and, of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed, so long from WQA Radio.